This episode of Kids From Yesterday will contain references to suicide, mental health and self-harm. Listener discretion is advised. episode two welcome to kids from yesterday podcast thank you so much for tuning in i'm surprised anybody listened to us at all if i'm honest i mean not you but like (laughs) me um the response has been great and i know you've heard it already and you've heard it again but i want to say thanks to michael and alexi for recording our theme song um when they have a band name we'll thank them again but uh yeah it was pretty cool of them it is a really cool theme song thank you so much guys it was brilliant. They put a lot of work into it, even though I was like, just record like a, a thing. And they spent like two hours on it. So yes, thank awesome. you guys. It's amazing. So what are we going to talk about this week, Clodagh? So this week, um, as you probably heard from our content warning there, we are going to talk about mental health um, in the emo culture. So we're going to talk a little bit about our own experience growing up as emos with mental health problems. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about... About? we're going to talk a little bit about um how mental health is portrayed in emo culture um the visibility um and we're going to talk a little bit about um notable people in emo culture who have spoken out about mental health issues yeah um i mean growing up i guess a lot of people like the implicit association between emo and mental health stuff was people always thought all emos are depressed And, like, as a depressed emo child. (laughs) um, It rang true for me, but I feel like it wasn't fair to assume that all emo kids had mental health issues. Just like it wasn't fair to assume that all emo kids that had mental health issues were emo because they had mental health issues. I always felt like I, I never really thought about it properly until kind of as I got older. But at the time, I do remember thinking that it was an interesting thing to assume because so many of my friends didn't display signs of having mental health problems um you know they'd make fun of people who did and that was just because of the time like it wasn't anybody specifically doing something about anybody in particular it was just kind of like this is the stereotype you'd see all these stereotypes online or like in the early memes that we were talking about last episode like on myspace and stuff um like remember those little like they were voodoo dolls and oh yeah like i has cookie and i ate it or whatever Yeah. yeah and like that was kind of part of the culture but it was sort of like a them and us kind of divide I think um so I mean when I was like 16 I think that's when I had depression probably really really badly but because my understanding of what depression was and what I was going through weren't like I didn't see the parallels between it um and like I'd turned to music quite a lot to soothe me basically because I hadn't really got any other outlets so you know I listened to Fall Out Boy I listened to all those bands we talked about in the previous episode um and it was just nice to hear somebody who understood I think um same I definitely felt like seen by these bands like I had no idea I was like 
15 when I started going through depression I had no idea that I was depressed I just didn't know because it wasn't something that was ever you know discussed it wasn't something that I was nobody talked to me about mental health nobody had sat me down and kind of had that discussion with me I didn't really understand it obviously I knew what suicide was I knew what depression was but I didn't really know the symptoms I didn't know the signs so I was depressed and I was listening to emo music at the same time but I didn't really realize what I was going through but I felt so seen by these artists like my chemical romance like I am not afraid to keep on living you know what I mean like those kind of lyrics they all rang through for me and I kind of felt empowered being able to you know sing them along at a concert or sing them along at the top of my voice in my room and it was I feel like that kind of music was definitely a form of therapy for me yeah um you know no I was the exact same like I have really distinct memories of like writing on tumblr back in the day um I, I don't know I think I must have been 16 17 and I'd gone to see all time low and it was just acknowledging that that experience made me feel alive yeah and like that's it became escapism for me then like it was you know you're in a room for two or three hours you're seeing different bands you're screaming along the words you're in a room with people who want to be there as well who have like loved the band the same way you do and who care about it and have made friends through it and it was such an empowering thing to be there and you could cry and you could like scream and you could be excited and you could feel all your feelings in this really really safe environment where it was accepted that people would cry and it was accepted that people would you know really connect to what they were saying and the bands knew that and they'd have little speeches that they'd make and it was just such a nice thing to yeah. get even though like you're feeling the way you're feeling and then you still have this like outlet but I think because I had those moments where I went and I enjoyed myself and I felt really good that I kind of believed that oh no I don't have depression because you know I'm able to feel happy and I'm yeah. able to feel really good and these like this thing makes me happy um, Paramore definitely did do that as well like they Haley would always say like you know leave your problems at the door you're here for the night we're gonna enjoy this concert together like not these exact words but she said something along the lines of um you know we're here to have a good time just forget what's going on in your life we're all here together tonight and we're gonna have fun and that was something that really like I used to be like just bawl my eyes out because I was going through so much yeah. in my life um, like when I was a teenager I was homeschooled so I was like taken out of school because I had back problems and like I just felt like that's how I ended up I guess becoming depressed because I was wasn't tending to my mental health needs as much as I was tending to my physical needs um, and to be able to go to those gigs and kind of just leave everything outside leave my you know, my, my fears about my body and my fears about my illness and my head and just enjoy the music and mosh and have fun with my friends and cry and make new friends and new memories. Like I have so many distinct memories of just letting go at Paramore gigs. And, and that's what those gigs kind of were. Like they were a way of just letting go of your inhibitions and having fun for a while. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like for me as well, I just... I didn't know how to express what I was feeling. Like, yeah, I, I, I didn't either. I, yeah, I had no idea. And I remember being 16 and my form teacher, I, I'd been away at like a week-long transition year, like taster thing in Trinity. And I came back and my form teacher was like, well, like, how was it? And I said to her, I really, really didn't want to come back here. And I don't know what I was hoping she'd say, yeah. but I remember 
like hoping she'd take the bait and ask me why and like ask me what was wrong when it said she gave out to me for saying I didn't <laughs> want to be in school but she did try to say it to my parents at the next parent teacher meeting that I'd lost my spark or something yeah and I just it was the fact that like okay somebody heard me um but I do feel like music was the best way of expressing it because I mean it was all very like deep and like well emo yeah but it was still the closest thing I'd ever had to somebody being able to say, well, you know, I feel like this. And I kind of go, well, I feel like that too. Um, and I think Fall Out Boy in that particular regard were very special. And like Pete Wentz in particular was really great at describing how I was feeling. Even yes. though he was just describing how he was feeling. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely a really big part of my teenage years. I was not realising that how, like what I was feeling was... I, I don't want to say normal because obviously it is normal plenty of people have mental health problems but it wasn't normal in the sense that not everybody was feeling this way and not everybody was going through this and I just didn't have that perspective so but I did have and I think everybody who goes through problems kind of has something that they they lean towards and it can be something that's like healthy to to like so like music was a really healthy outlet like going to those concerts was a really healthy thing to do definitely um and like being involved in those subcultures like you know if you're on tumblr or you're on live journal or you were on myspace or whatever the hell you were on you were involved in something that was outside of what was happening in your head and i think that was really really important yeah i definitely think as well like for me my friends weren't like as far as i'm aware like even to this day like they didn't show any visible signs again of having any mental health issues but looking back neither did i because i was such i I was very outgoing and very bubbly and you know and enjoyed having fun and meeting up with people but at the same time I had all this anguish that I just didn't know what to do with it I didn't know how to talk about it I didn't know how to express myself I didn't even know how to tell somebody there was something wrong with me and I didn't until I was about 17 I think the first time you know I actually said I'm not okay <laughs> to somebody um and music was especially emo music I just felt like it was because I really really liked it um you know the the rhythm the lyrics and then when I started going through stuff I was kind of like oh okay they see what I'm seeing um I feel what they're feeling and Pete Wentz as well I think was my first kind of real insight into how suicide comes about because previously I just thought that it was this thing that happened and I didn't really realize that it could be connected with depression and mental illness um, and kind of when I realised and started reading about, I guess, Home Hallelujah and how that was written. And there's a couple of other songs that Fall Out Boy done about... Um, Seven Minutes in Heaven. Yeah, that was another one. Adam and Halen. So, so many. Um, but it, it definitely made me realise that depression can lead to suicide. And I kind of started to read about what he was going through. And I was like, oh my God, okay, maybe this is what's wrong with me too yeah um but no music is definitely and like I said again emo music was it was more so that it was there for us yeah you know when when nothing else was and nothing else was kind of doing it for us I actually I think you posted it on Instagram the other day it was like an infographic on like signs of depression in like teenagers and I was reading it and I was like well I had all of those yeah like I withdrew from people um quite quickly like I just stopped caring about everything um like the only thing I really had was music and I just was so angry and so upset all the time and I just didn't know why um but you really had like 
I don't know, I spent hours going through like Fallout Boy lyrics and reading. Like Pete Wentz wrote a book called The Boy with a Thorn on His Side and it was about being a kid with bipolar disorder and how they didn't know how to treat that. Um, and you had um like they gave him sugar pills, like as a placebo. Um, oh wow yeah so the, but that was really common because they didn't know kids could have bipolar and they didn't they didn't actually have a definitive diagnosis like they knew about manic depression but like back yeah. when he would have exhibited Being, these yeah. signs they assumed that he just needs to grow out of it or like you know they, they just didn't know kids could have mental health problems which they obviously absolutely can yeah. like kids as young as six have been diagnosed with mental health problems um, which is really sad but this whole it was like a short book and it was a really nice story but I remember just being in tears reading it because it was so horrible to think that he had been brought to get help and nobody knew how to help him and this was somebody who was so good at describing how he was feeling like every single yeah. song you listen to you know even if it's like a character or it's a story he's telling about somebody loosely based on himself or about somebody else that he knows you still mm. know and can feel how they felt um so I think he was really, really important to me when I was growing up, like, which is a weird thing to say. Another person who was quite open in discussing their mental health issues was Hayley Williams. So in, was it 2009 Brand New Eyes came out? September uh, 27th, I know it was that date. 2010. Was it 2010? I, what, yeah. 2009, <laughs> 2010, sure, Anyway, they released um, Break by Born Brick. And that was one of the, I think that was their second single from that album. Um, and a lot of people had thought that that song was kind of a Haley telling a story about her own mental health and depression. Um, some of the lyrics, like, you built up a world of tra- magic because your real life is tragic. Um, we'll go get a shovel. We'll dig a deep hole, you know. Um, people have kind of thought that. And I've definitely had this feeling of like wanting to just dig a hole and get into it. Um, but people thought that was biographical. But Hayley Williams, you know, she did say that it was kind of a story that she had thought up and it wasn't um, about herself. Um, the, the lyrics, she said it was something that she just, she loved the music so much and she wanted to make it this dark story. And she wrote an article for Paper Magazine. Um, and in that magazine, she said, you know, people so willingly will be like, it's okay not to be okay but she said you know I'm, I'm 30 now I'm not okay with not being okay anymore and I I get that because I up until this point where Haley had actually released that letter going on from what she had said before I didn't realize that she was actually going through this because a lot of their lyrics are really angsty but they don't really reflect back on mental health yeah right? I'd agree with that as well like I mean they I don't, I don't know why and I don't know what it is about Paramore but I never felt like when you listen to Fall Out Boy you know those songs are about Pete Wentz. Yeah. And you know like you know that somebody in that band has gone through those things he's talking about whereas with Paramore I don't know why and I, I don't know why it took for her to actually say it but I think it's the fact that she never had spoken about it before that it took her actually coming out and saying hey this is this is about me and this is how I feel. So she wrote the article for paper and then somebody did an interview with her, I think about the process of After Laughter and she talked really frankly about her anxiety. Um, so whoever interviewed her spent 
I will post this on the Facebook at some point, but on the Facebook. So follow us on the Facebook. <laughs> it's at Kids from Yesterday Podcast. Yes, something wrong those lines. Yeah. Just, you know, you'll type in your search bar, Kids from Yesterday Pod. You'll, you'll, you'll find, find us. us. But we'll post it there. But um, it was about the process of writing after laughter. And this journalist spent like two or three days with her. Um, like just talking to her and finding out. But she said on the second or third day that she'd actually had a panic attack after they'd left. And it was just really interesting to hear her talk so frankly about how she was feeling after years of ambiguity, I guess, around yeah. it. And not really knowing, but knowing people related to the lyrics. And I guess with all music like that, people will read into it what they want to. Um, so if it meant something to people to hear a song about suicide and like to interpret Brick by Boring Brick by being about that, because they yeah. felt that they could relate to it. Like I, I feel like artists say this all the time, that when they write a song and then they, they release it, that's yours. Um, and it doesn't really matter what the song was about. It's when the audience hear it, if they want to hear whatever they want to hear in it, that's what they do. Even on the After Laughter album, she kind of talks about mental health almost with gritted teeth. Like, even with the song Fake Happy, the video is her going around with, you know, the upside down smiley face. But she's like saying, I love making you believe what you get is what you see, but I'm so fake happy. And, you know, she goes on, I bet everybody here is just as insecure. Um, She's been doing a good job of making people think she's okay. Um, It's easy for her, she's saying, to like, you know, stand on the stage, stomp on a beat, draw her lipstick too wide. You know, nobody's going to see her mascara tears. And I feel like that, it's very animating what it's like to be have fully functioning mental illness yeah um like if you look at the lines in another song which are like um i don't need no help i can sabotage me by myself that definitely i was like oh my god that's me i related to that song so much i'm such a but i'm like one of the symptoms of my mental illness is that i i'm a huge self-sabotager um and I really relate to that. And again, Fake Happy, I was able to relate to that as well. And when they performed that live, it was like, oh my God, she's going through all this stuff. Like the last time I seen them in the Olympia, um, I think a couple of weeks later, it came out that her and Chad Gilbert had were getting yeah. a divorce. And I was like, oh my God, she was on the stage. She was doing all this stuff. She had a big smile on her face. She was interacting with everyone. And she was going through all this personal trauma. Like she was yeah. going through this massive breakup. And... It was devastating for her, but you know, you could see how those lyrics were obviously something that no matter what she's going through, she still has to put on a show. Yeah, and I feel like that's really representative of how people are when they're not performers. I mean, for her, it's very obvious. She's up on a stage and she's performing. Yeah. But day to day, people have to perform. Like they feel like, you know, for most people who have like a functioning mental illness where they're hiding their anxiety or they're hiding their depression. Um, And like back to when I was in school, I was a functional depressed child yeah but it was still like I got up and I went to school and I still talked to people and I still laughed but at the same time like what's inside and it just it just kind of shows that you don't ever know what's going on in somebody's head um like they could be up on a stage they could be you know serving you in a restaurant they could be like answering the phone when you you know you don't know who you're interacting with who is going through this and I, I do think that is a really important part of the subculture um for like previous and current emo kids that you have all this like you have these people who are willing to talk about the fact that well actually no I am walking around pretending I'm okay and I'm not um when that was such a big part of it yeah they're like those those emo artists I guess were huge for us in the you know in the in the noughties in the late noughties but now I guess one person who's been kind of considered the the future of emo you know 
before his untimely death, I guess, was Little Peep. Um, not to confuse with Little Pump, <laughs> which is something we regularly do. Um, but yeah, like a lot of people kind of look up to him as somebody who was so outspoken about his mental illness, about his feelings of self-harm and suicide, substance abuse, um, and, you know, felt like it was okay for them to talk about their problems because of this person as well. So it's not just you know, the Naughties bands that were talking about it. It's it's artists like Little Peep who come out and speak about it. And there's, I guess there's been a bigger uptake in people nowadays being so willingly open about their situation, whether they're coming out as non-binary, like Sam Smith, Janelle Monet, or they are talking about mental health problems. um, Or they're talking about, you know, what they're going, what's going on in their lives. But for us, I guess, because our whole world revolved around Kerrang TV, um, we were finding solace in, in these people. One particle of unitanium has a nuclear reaction with a flux capacitor. Carry the two, changing its atomic isotoner into a radioactive spider. Yes, science! So I have a psychology degree and I'm really interested in how people's brains work, which is kind of fundamentally important when you have a psychology degree. But um, something that really interests me is when people research subcultures like this. So there are tons of articles out there about emo. Um, but a lot of the time they kind of trickle down. So like you might not see them as an article or as a journal article, or you may not even know how to read them because they're done in a way that's academically elitist. And that's another, probably another episode <laughs> <laughs> or another podcast. But um, I do think that when you kind of see the trickle down version of what has been found by the psychologists, you're not getting the full story. So you do see sometimes like, you know, oh, emo blamed for whatever. And I know Clota has some articles that we're gonna talk about in a bit, but um, I did find some papers that did talk about the link between suicide and emo, as we said at the very beginning, where um, it's kind of thought that emo and self-harm and emo and suicide are, are like inextricably linked, that everybody who's emo wants to hurt themselves or wants to kill themselves. So Baker and Bohr in 2008 did a research paper um, looking at other research that already existed and taking the information that they had um, and just analysing it and discussing it overall. So they found that extroversion is linked to people who liked pop music compared with people who liked heavy metal. Um, and I think we, we can kind of see that, that yeah. most people who are emo would claim to be also introverted. Um, it doesn't mean that you are introverted because you like it. And I think that's something that's misconstrued a lot in research or like when you read articles, they kind of say like this thing causes this when that's not true. It's just they found a link between it, but it's correlational and not causational. Like one did not cause the other. It just these two characteristics happen to be found in these people. Um, so they found that heavy metal music did not correlate with suicide. Um, and there was actually a positive change in affect for people. So they did. I'm not sure who did this research, but they did a study on people and they basically induced anger in them. So they made them angry. And then for some people, I don't know what they did to make them angry. I feel like <laughs> yeah. somebody would just kind of poke me <laughs> and then be like, are you angry? So I don't, I don't know how that bit worked. Um, but they, so this was the condition. So when you do a research study, you have like your participants and then you have a condition and then you do the actual experiment. So you'll have a control group, which are people who they know what's going to happen or they don't do anything to them just to see what the results are. So they tested yeah. to see how they felt. Then they made them angry. And then one group of people, they like just, there was nothing. There was just silence. And then the other group of people, they listened to heavy metal. 
and then they find that um their heart rates so the people who had silence after they were made angry their heart rate dropped but the people who listened to heavy metal their heart rate was sustained but it didn't make them angrier which is probably the first time they've seen that you know this music isn't angry music it's not music that makes people violent and mm. it doesn't make people have negative tendencies it, it did nothing it just continued it but people reported feeling better after listening to heavy metal and even more so than people who would listen to the silence so it's like it's a it's similar to channel which i think comes back to what we were saying at the very beginning which is that it made you feel better yeah like that music made you feel more positive emotions or it allowed you to to feel the feelings that you had so i do think it, it in this case there's evidence like actual science evidence to suggest that people feel better yeah when they listen to it um I think as well, like, sometimes, like, music like that, that is emotional. Because this whole thing as well of, like, listening to sad music when you're sad to just feel what you're feeling. Like, I'm somebody who definitely, like, tries to avoid their emotions. But I will, like, listen to sad music and go along with kind of what's going on in the song to try and almost, like, feel what I'm feeling and kind of get it out of my system. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Actually, I'm watching... I don't know if you're watching Dead to Me on Netflix. I was just about to say... Oh, my God. She sits in the car and blares metal music and I'm like, this is the best thing ever. I want to do this to get, yeah. like, anger out. It seems like... It, it does seem, like, cathartic almost just to do something like yeah. that. Yeah, and it, I know it's meant to be funny that she's like, oh, this is my therapy or whatever, and then it's like, oh, she's listening to... But it, it there actually is science to yeah. support it. So I thought that was really funny, but that was just me being a nerd. Yeah. But I'm glad you also thought it was funny even though you were also just being a nerd <laughs> yeah. um so this same study found another study um that people who liked heavy metal and rock music were were suicidally vulnerable so it didn't again this is not the music does not cause them to be suicidal it's just that they're at a higher risk of being vulnerable to suicidal thoughts or, or suicidal acts and they found that it was an even higher risk especially in girls okay and now they don't know why i mean we could you know, we could guess why. We could say, like, it could be hormones. It could be the fact that, like, girls are, you know, the bullying that goes on in school can be more psychological than physical. And, yeah, definitely. You know, there's plenty of things where women aren't listened to in medical settings. And you know, there's just so many things that you could guess that, you know, this is maybe why. Um, But I do think that's interesting because I think people associate suicide with men. Definitely. Um, Especially when you see these, like, you know, mental health is... I guess yes it is obviously it's an issue for men it's an issue for women too but this whole thing of you know men we need to talk about mental health like men specifically need to talk about it whereas which they obviously do but it's just it it's a weird them and us way of splitting it like I I don't know why we're focusing on one particular population of people yeah like you're like you know men women non-binary like it just it doesn't it doesn't everybody everyone needs to talk about mental health and it is a really big killer of everybody. I feel like those statistics kind of skew the fact that, yes, suicide is the biggest killer of men, but the biggest killer of women is also men. Yeah. And then the second one is suicide. So it's just a case of, like, everybody needs to be talking about this in some way. Um, um We're, we're going to talk about that more kind of towards the end. But this, um, this particular study said that maybe... Like, one of the reasons that they, they put forward to kind of suggest why people are more at risk for, for suicide is not that it, like, it causes it to happen, that they hear it in a song and then want to do it. It's more that it's a, it's what they call a primed implicit cognition, which is, so if I say to you, like, the word cat, you, something will pop into your head yeah. and you might associate hat with cat, you know, like, it just, it, there's just whatever 
you come up with is not necessarily what I would come up with because your implicit thought about it is based on your experience. Do you want to know what my, my thought of Kat is? Because I'm so bloody emo. Went straight to Gabe Supporta from Cobra Starship actually has a tattoo of a cat on his leg because of that Bollywood by song that goes also... No, it's also oh, oh, so intricate. But he thought the lyrics were also into cats. So he has a tattoo of a cat on his leg with also into cats on it. And that's where my emo brain went when you said cats. <laughs> so but that's her implicit cognition. Yes. Anyway, but that's the, but that's a perfect example of it where like I might think of a specific cat or a specific situation. Whereas your brain went straight to there because that's your experience. Yeah. So what they're suggesting is that because people were so young when they were exposed to the idea that if you're life is not going the way you want it to or you're struggling that suicide is an option whereas like kids who maybe have never encountered this wouldn't think of it as an option yeah and it doesn't explain it because obviously there's kids who have never heard it referred to in a song at all and have still attempted or died by suicide but um it do- it maybe might explain it where you're now thinking of it as a as an option and i do think that a lot of emo culture has negative coping mechanisms because it started in a way where these were the only people talking about having mental health problems and then there was no support there was nobody there saying hey you know this is what you should do or you know therapy is great or you can talk to these people or you can look up this stuff online Mm. like there was no the people didn't know what cbt was they didn't know and like it was out there people were getting therapy but it was the fact that kids who have more agency to access this information online um whether or not it's accurate is a different situation and a different topic um but they they had all this information whereas i don't think we did and i don't feel like it was it was known it was just like this is a thing and you could have this thing and it's okay that you do but there was there was nothing to say like what you should do yeah. to make it better um so that was that study and then there was another one on in 2018 by long and they said like a quote from it was that people are frightened by self-injury such as suicide the word suicide frightens people and so does the word self-injury and it does like you mentioned suicide and people flip out and yeah there you know there's obviously reporting guidelines on how you're supposed to talk about it like you're not supposed to give details and you're not supposed to and a part of that again is the implicit cognition risk where if you give details on how somebody dies that is then in somebody's head as yeah. like an option. Yeah. Um. But they're they're just guidelines there to, to make sure that people don't harm themselves. But it it does freak people out. So when you mentioned self harming, like when we were younger, I think people assumed self harming was attention seeking, and yeah. that like if you could see somebody self harm scars, you could see that they'd hurt themselves recently, that they're obviously looking for attention. And there was kind of an old thought that if you were really self-harming, you'd do it somewhere that nobody could see because it was supposed to be about your pain and your feelings, even though that's ridiculous. And we know it's ridiculous now, but that stigma is still there. Oh, definitely, yeah. So this study um, looked at, basically, they, they did an interview. So it's qualitative research where they talk to people um, in an interview structure. There's no questionnaire or anything. They're just sitting down and they're face-to-face and they record an interview. So they took 10 therapists and 10 people who self-harm. Um, which is quite a small amount of people and it's not representative of everybody but they talked about stigma and they talked about um issues so they said that um self-injury stigma profoundly impacts upon the person's capacity for help seeking and prospects for recovery which basically just means that if people feel like people are going to judge them or they they have been judged because somebody made a comment about them attention seeking or 
they're around people who talk about it as if it's attention seeking they won't get help because they feel like they don't deserve it because they feel like well I'm doing this thing yeah. and it's not I can see that yeah and I, I could see that a lot like even though I didn't understand it and I didn't have the vocabulary for it you could see it around you that people who were hurting themselves um and like I I did self-harm as as a kid like that was um probably made up a really big part of my teens and I was always trying to hide it because I believed that if somebody saw it and asked me questions about it they would assume I was attention seeking because I just couldn't explain why I was doing it I think so um I do think that's really important but the most important thing is the fact that people are studying this that like people have been studying this for a few years um and then another study by Adler and Adler this is a 2007 study so it's quite old but they said that um the concept of like hurting yourself being a like a deviant behavior they said that um the conceptualization of self-injury in this way it trivializes the emotional pain but it does add another level of stigma and it does because I mean I don't I don't know and I don't know why people talk about this like I remember hearing a parent say to me that like oh kids are, are hurting themselves because it's cool and I was just yeah <laughs> Clodagh made the best face because it's, <laughs> it's the face I feel inside because it's just what like you know I just feel like okay maybe if you did it once to try it out because somebody said you know I, I'm trying to think like yeah what situation and like I think I feel like you know if you imagine it in like a the craft kind of situation where people yeah. are, you know they're sitting around they're trying a Ouija board and then they're gonna hurt themselves because it's I, I can't get I can't, my head around yeah. it but I'm, I'm trying to like imagine that kind of setting where you're all at a sleepover and you're like I'm we're all gonna hurt ourselves for some reason stranger things have happened yeah do you know what so, I mean like it, everything's yeah. a possibility you definitely yeah. so see like... but that's what I think parents are afraid of that this is what kids are doing at sleepovers but like say that that situation is real I feel like if you do it once you'd kind of go that fucking hurt I'm not gonna do that again like I don't see any situation where you would continue doing that whether for attention or for not because it, there would be something wrong because people instinctively don't want to hurt themselves yeah. Unless there's something happening in there. Um, but it's also interesting that like the, the concept of saying somebody doing something for attention, so saying they want to hurt themselves for attention, saying they want to kill themselves for attention, that's a cry for help. And 100%. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter how many times they do it. And I can understand people getting tired of it, especially like, you know, if it happens repeatedly. But at the same time, like you being tired of it doesn't take away from the fact that this person, the only way they've seemed to believe that they can get any help from people or any kind of support or like have their needs met is if they seem to be in danger yeah like there's a lot of articles kind of from like say 2006 to I'm gonna say 2012 that kind of talk about like it's you know it's journalists it's music critics and they're talking about the link between mental health and suicide or uh sorry emo music and suicide and mental health and a lot of them feed into this stigma that if you're cutting yourself repeatedly, your self-harm, you know, you're engaging in self-harm repeatedly on your arm or somewhere visible, that surely, you know, oh, if they're in that much pain, if they keep doing this, you know, it's just a cry for help because if they were really in that pain, they would, you know, revert to suicide. And that feeds back into the stigma yeah. of if your self-harm scars are on show, you're doing it for attention. I as well engage in self-harm when I was, you know, 15, 16. And I can't exactly say why like I feel like it was trying to I was trying to manifest my physical 
my emotional pain into physical pain. Um, and I've definitely been through situations more recently where I've been like thinking about doing it again. I've stopped myself, you know, I've got really good self-control, or not self-control, but I've got really good kind of management of my triggers and I'm able to kind of look after that and keep that in check. But I've definitely more recently, I guess I've been more conscious of mental health and stigma and all those kind of issues now more so than I was, you know, 10 years ago when I was 15. But I've been able to kind of identify why I'm trying to do it or why I have the urge to do it. And I can definitely see that it's it's kind of to manifest emo- or physical pain in replace of emotional pain to try and match what I'm feeling with, you know, my body. But there's been a lot of articles like I said that been going around like we spoke about this kind of briefly in our la- in our first episode and um, there was the Daily Mail who put up an article about the cult warning for emo culture um emo cult warning for parents is the headline um, and it was written on the 16th of or published rather on the 16th of August 2006 so I'm going to read you a couple of sentences from the article just so you can see how bizarre this is and how it just doesn't match up to what we were going through but uh, it says here uh, flicking through the autumn glossy fashion magazines I noticed that some of the models did not look very well a few of them appeared to be dead this is because one of the key looks especially at the younger end of fashion spe- of the fashion spectrum is goth so again they were mixing up goth and emo um, faces are chalky white eyes and lips black you can wear any colour you want as long as it's black I wore a lot of black as well during my emo face that's a given swapped out for the odd pair of red skinny jeans though of course oh, and purple as well I had a pair of red skinny jeans and I fucking loved them. They were my favourite thing. And my, like, best friend in school had a pair of yellow skinny jeans. So we were, like, I, we were ridiculous. But, like, I really liked her yellow jeans, but I couldn't wear yellow either. It was too happy a colour. <laughs> yeah. I had these yellow shorts and I just, like, I remember wearing them, like, once or twice. I'm like, no, this isn't emo enough for me anymore. <laughs> no, I was obsessed with my red skinny jeans. But it was just, like, it went with my black and red colour palette which were the only colours that's it. it they went with everything so yeah this woman clearly isn't au fait with the actual emo uniform which is converse and black um hair and black clothes and she's obviously saying that it's it's goth um but there's a couple of different things she says in here like um oh my god do you remember that um song the emo song dear diary I worked with some people a few years ago and every time, and it, this is, he was a friend of mine, but he, every time I walked into the canteen, he'd be like, dear diary, mood apathetic. Oh my God. And I was like, can, can you not maybe? But he, he just, he'd do the whole thing. So uh, yeah, we should actually, can we play a clip of that? Dear diary, mood apathetic. My life is spiraling downward. I couldn't get enough money to go to the Blood Red Romance and Suffocate Me Dry concert. It sucks because they play some of my favourite songs like Stab My Heart Because I Love You and Rip Apart My Soul and of course Stab You Rip Stab Stab. They talk about this in this article and it's just brought it back to me. Oh my god. Um, I don't jump around when I go to shows. I must be evil. <laughs> Die in my hair and polish on my toes. Oh my god, I play suicide, or sorry, excuse me. I play guitar and write suicide notes. I must be an emo. The courting of misery and death is a long-established teenage tradition. How many bedroom walls have been plastered with the posters of Mark Bolin or Kurt Cobain? Like, I definitely had lots of Paramore posters. I had an entire wall full of my emo heroes. Um, But I just, like, 
this article is nowhere kind of near it's, it's kind of sending them like you know a manic panic to the parents about what they should be looking out for in their kids which is completely ridiculous and essentially in this article they describe emo as a teenage friend it's characterized by depression self-injury and suicide um this article then there was a there was a, the death of a 13 year old girl named hannah bond um, she died by suicide and her story was national news because the coroner um, said that she was obsessed with My Chemical Romance and made controversial comments linking her fan, you know, her being a fan of emo to her death and made that part of the inquest. Yeah. You know, that was brought into court um, or into the coroner's court. That's such a dangerous thing to do as well. Like if we go back to what we were saying about the, the those psychology papers, like you have to be careful when you're talking about people and when you're talking about psychology and when you're yeah. talking about brains and how why people do things and motivations. Unless you can definitively say, I did this because of this or they did this because of this, which you can't. Like that person, like she would have had to have said herself, I did this because a song told me to or I did this because this singer told me to. And even then it wouldn't, like there's so much more to it. So making these really dangerous links by saying this person was listening to this and that that's why they died. Um, it's it's dangerous and it's just misleading. It's so misleading. There's another article here that the Mail published actually the it's from 2008, 16th of um, May 2008. And the headline is Why No Child is Safe from the Sinister Cult of Emo. And this is kind of the one that, you know, started the emo panic, I guess. I just can't believe we've been in a cult all this time. And I know. Um, and it's kind of, it describes, you know, what emo was like. Um, it, and it talks about Hannah's death. Um t-shirts studded belts and sneakers or skater shoes hair is important often dyed black and straightened music plays a a critical role american bands such as my cam good charlotte and blink 182 um and no doubt many adults would ask so what on the surface it all sounds typically teenage angst ridden over dramatic and tribal um that's such a disservice to hannah herself like yeah in so much pain and they were just like the whole thing is trivializing her experience and what she went through and she was so young and it's so sad that somebody that young felt that they needed to do what she did because she couldn't cope with it like that that's horrifying and the all of these like emo goth panic things where parents are warned about cults all they do is they trivialize what their kids are going through and they basically tell them to overlook what's happening inside like people who like kind of darker heavier music are more vulnerable to emotions yeah and that's what all of those research papers say like that that is definitive that there is a definite link between um liking this kind of music and having darker emotions but it again like i mean she could have been a really big justin bieber fan and the outcome could have been the same because it's what's going on inside exactly her head. um and it's just really really unfair to her and it's unfair to anybody who has died by suicide who like you know like for basically blaming what they liked on why they were feeling the way they did yeah like there's bits in here there's a very dark side to being an emo which isn't about dressing black and listening to music with very deep lyrics like a tip of vulnerable person over the edge like that again it doesn't really it's 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 coming from a place of fear and not understanding like that yeah like what courtney said like you could be a fan of justin bieber and have the same outcome like I mean I was listening to uh, when I was 
depressed and I was 15 I was listening to emo music on the flip side I was also listening to lots of pop music Justin Bieber Beyonce you know Car- uh, Katy Perry I was listening to all that Miley Cyrus I loved Miley Cyrus you know don't tell the emos that but I loved Miley Cyrus when they're, I, they're listening, they're listening. <laughs> I loved Miley Cyrus when I was 15 but I you know what I mean it wasn't because it was emo music that was making me the way I was it was, I was. it was it was it was fucking life yeah, and it can be life and it can be you know you can be depressed for any reason or you can have a mental health problem for any reason like there's plenty like i mean we're talking about on a very basic level depression and anxiety here but like other diagnoses like there there are no there could be environmental reasons there could be life reasons there could be biological reasons there's no way of knowing so blaming it on music but i remember back in the day like when like one direction we're going to be like just before they kind of massively blew up people would always talk about going and like you know one of them saying to them that they saw their scars or whatever and gave them a hug and said it was going to be okay but there was a lot of stuff around harry styles being really perceptive about stuff like this whether or not it's true i don't know because you do see that a lot where people write like i had this great experience yeah um but it's still the fact that this was a big prevalent thing in a very very poppy community yeah and and yet people were still talking about suicide they were still talking about self-harm so and this is about like one of the most like popular boy bands of like the the what do we call the tens the tens is it just the tens i think some people call them the aughties which i don't really understand you ought to not call it that that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what i think but like of of the tens they were one of the biggest boy bands and definitely this, this was such a big part of it and even with that k-pop band shiny um chong young um he died by suicide last year or the year before that might have been the year before um but like k-pop is known for being quite a happy thing and people are just really obsessed with the relationships and the people that are in the bands um so it's really unfair to say that culture is like emo culture specifically is about suicide when it's it's everywhere it's you know it's about teenagers it's about how they're feeling and it's about how the world is changing so fast around us we're so much more clued in than we were before um like i look now at younger kids who are like 12 13 14 the amount of stuff that they're aware of like they're so clued yeah. into feminism they're so clued into the environment they're so clued into like social justice like words that i did not know when i was their age yeah i definitely um, <laughs> didn't have a clue about any of this like i'm in awe of how intelligent and how smart and how clued in kids are but it's destroying them and it's it's nothing to do with music um it's more that they have this as an escape and you're going to have people who turn to hurting themselves or to suicide no matter what they're listening to no matter yeah. what they're doing no matter who they're around but i mean we've had some kind of notable suicides in emo culture like i mean we kind of went the whole episode without mentioning chester bennington that affected me so much and yeah. it was because i was like 13 14 when i discovered discovered when i first <laughs> listened to lincoln park and i just like I, I used to listen to the album and cry because again it was like cathartic you're listening to this thing but it was just this man was in so much pain and yet he was writing such amazing music and he was expressing it as well as P. Wentz was. Like, just, it was just so raw and it was so, I don't know what the word is, but when I heard he died, I was in work and I remember I'd like, had just picked up my phone, it was at the end of the day and I turned it over and I fucked it on the floor. I literally was so upset oh and somebody was like, what's wrong? And I was like, Chester Bennington's dead. And it, like, I just, 
it took me a while. And I think it was like I was grieving anyway because my grandfather had passed away the year before and it was quite around the same time, like the anniversary. But I just, it just floored me. Like it was so, and I, I do think that's really weird. And I always think it sounds contrived when people are like, oh, I'm really sad about this famous person who I've never met. But it was just, this was somebody I looked up to and it was somebody yeah. whose music I listened to and that comforted me. And it was the fact that he couldn't, he had nothing to comfort him. Um, and then Chris Cornell had died a few months ahead of that so yeah. he died on Chris Cornell's birthday and they were really good friends so it's just like this this ongoing thing of like people are when somebody who supports you I guess from afar passes away it's 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 hard so it's it's not like you know this is a trend and we're all okay with people dying and we're all okay with like you know oh, suicide happens like you, you miss people and it's it's really hard and it doesn't matter if you know them personally or they're just somebody in your community or they're somebody that you've interacted with online or there's somebody you know in real life like it's it's not it's not okay <laughs> like yeah. it's it's just not an okay thing yeah like even if you look back to i guess Kurt Cobain would have kind of been like the primo if you can say it that a primo genre um you know and he you know he died by suicide um and then if you even come forward this side of the emo <laughs> revolution um you can see little peep again not to be yeah not to be mistaken for a little pump but little people you know people did look up to him and he was very open about how he just he kind of had spoken about how he knew he wasn't he wasn't going to be around for long he had kind of spoken so openly and said that he was suffering and you know eventually it wasn't suicide it was was, an accidental overdose but that affected a lot of people and I I didn't really realise that he had died until only I'd say a couple of weeks ago I was listening to some of his music and I was like because you know we were talking about the kind of the new age emo and I started listening to his music and I was like this is actually quite good I didn't know how I felt about it and then I was like you know kind of into it and I could see that he was you know in distress through his lyrics and then I went on his Wikipedia page and I was reading and I was like la 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 and I was like oh my god he's dead I was so shocked and again I didn't know him or nothing like that one of the I think the only celebrity death that really got me again this goes back to Sap Cloda but Corey Monteith from yeah. Glee when he died I was so shocked and I think I was more I was more just really upset for Leah Michelle yeah like I really really felt for her um but yeah you see it just it doesn't mental health doesn't discriminate it can happen to anyone yeah. um, um no matter what your social status is your wealth your color of your skin no matter what you're like who you are or where you come from it just does not discriminate yeah and that's the thing and there's so many songs like blink 182 had adam's song um yeah and like it's the lyrics are of like from a nirvana song because that's what he was listening to when he passed away um like all time low um ask gas cards with a song called therapy um and it was about it's it's said to be about his brother passing um and how he dealt with that and i think a lot of people have misinterpreted what the song is about and they think it's about him saying that therapy is no good which is not the point the point was about how he was a kid and all he wanted was somebody to listen to him and say that like it's actually okay that you're sad yeah um and like they've gone on and they've written like missing you and kids in the dark which again are about like please like hold on like we're, we're here and we're listening and um, like we've mentioned fallout boy about a million times in this <laughs> in this episode but like pete wentz has written like we said home hallelujah and seven minutes in heaven like they're about his suicide attempts um and he wrote a book and it's like semi-autobiographical another one he's written two books um it's called gray 
and it was supposed to be called Rainy Day Kids, but he it's about a guy and it's loosely based on his own life and it like it talks like it's it I wouldn't recommend reading it if you're in a vulnerable place because it does talk about suicide and kind of semi-graphic detail but it definitely like when I read it it was so upsetting because you're like this is this is this is the life that we saw in those songs but you have bands constantly talking about it like I found a list of um music where people were talking about mental health issues so you obviously we have then um my chemical romance and like we have I'm not okay we have like famous last words yeah back parade I guess that was a well that was a no it wasn't that was a concept album but the idea was that it was about this patient who had cancer rather than a patient who was suicidal which is what a lot of people thought by the lyrics and by kind of the songs um but that was such a good album it was no it was an amazing album and i imagine like that was probably the first music of that kind that i can think of that talked about an illness killing somebody and not is yeah. it like a physical illness obviously mental illnesses yeah. or illnesses but physical um, yeah. like but if you think back like back back you have like nobody's home by Avril Lavigne like oh yeah like I remember listening to that album and being really sad age 10 like and not knowing why but it was just like that that song is about depression um and then my immortal Evanescence oh yeah I'm um, super freaking sad um when it rains Paramore Bop. um have so many we're going to pull all these into a playlist this is going to be our, our episode two playlist most of these are follow boy songs i don't apologize in the the slightest we've forgotten to mention new age emos as well uh 21 pilots oh yeah i'm not really i don't really um, they said some, <laughs> they said something i think they said something transphobic on twitter so i'm kind of ambiguous now about how i feel about them i don't i don't know the full story i only saw screenshots i didn't see the actual things but anybody who's accused of transphobia usually has has done it so okay take it with a grain of salt but they did um i know one of them had a heroin addiction and he was writing songs to kind of help him get through it but one of the songs car radio i remember when i first heard that i was like the same thing again where you feel like i actually feel really seen by yeah. this song or by this band so you can imagine that new wave of people going well this this represents how i feel too um and there's tons of them like there's there's so many um and when you look into kind of what songs are about like you know i found out a fever you can't sweat out is about ryan ross's dad and like his dad's alcoholism i didn't know this i had no idea it was when i was looking at camisado what that was actually about that's one of my favorite songs but i just (laughs) just hadn't really thought about it and again it was down to like i interpret it in a way that meant something to me but yeah. when you actually read what the song is about, you're like, okay, well, they meant for this to be interpreted in a different way. And that's the thing, like, so many of those songs, and like, they were one thing, but, you know, I took them for face value, but then I kind of realised, when I started to realise there was actual meanings behind these songs, um, I started to really get into figuring out what the meanings were, and what, what does this album cover mean, and what, do, what does this, you know, signify, and I think Foley do by... Uh, am I pronouncing that right? Foley do um, by Fall Out Boy when that album came out that was my first kind of experience at really going behind the lyrics and you know I remember asking my dad what does America's what, what are America's sweethearts like I don't really understand what that means and like trying to like figure out what the lyrics were because of course I, I'm pretty sure back then you couldn't just google what there does the no, song mean? There, there was, was no, no genius. like genius back then. There was no. There's another one as well. But there was no websites like that where you could like find out the lyrics and the meanings from people who you know the artists themselves who may have spoke about it in articles. Like most of the time, 
if you were trying to find out the meaning of a song it was by fans like ourselves who yeah. would just come up with theories and come up with ideas and that's how you would get it but there's so many of them that were you know we were listening to like Nobody's Home by Avril Lavigne and you didn't even realise they were yeah, it was just that. like but just you're just feeling kind of, this yeah, sadness for some reason it's a sad song but on that about people hearing what they want to hear um, I was reading a website and it was like a list of songs that they were like this is about it was like a mental health wiki I think which uh, it was a fun Wednesday 2am <laughs> dive into what songs are out there but you know I was reading the list and you had your Fallout Boy and you had this and you had Evanescence and then I got to Green Day and they were like well there's Brain Stew and Basket Case and you're like yeah okay and then they had Longview and I was like that is a song historically about blowjobs <laughs> so <laughs> but it is a thing of like they heard whatever they wanted to hear in it and maybe it meant something to them but that yeah yeah, far as I know, that's about blowjobs. So, yeah, good job, people. <laughs> so, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us talk about all of this. If there was anything in this episode that affected you, or you feel like you need to reach out to anybody for support, um, in Ireland, we'd recommend you checking out Pieta.ie. So it's Pieta House. Um, their support for suicide and self harm. And if you're in Ireland and the UK, there's Samaritans, which is one one six one two three. Um, numbers the exact same for both countries and you don't have to be suicidal to reach out to Samaritans they are there for any problem and that was something it took me quite a long time to learn that you don't have to be in a serious crisis to reach out to them it's just if you're struggling and you have nobody to talk to and you want to talk to somebody who's just going to listen and that's what they do that that's a great place to reach out to yeah so again thank you so much for listening to our podcast you can find us on instagram we're at kids from yesterday pod we're on no sorry on twitter we're at kids from yesterday pod on instagram we're at kids from yesterday podcast you can find us on facebook by typing in kids from yesterday podcast and we do post uh, spotify playlists for each episode that normally comes out a couple of days before the episode so our first episode is up there as well as the playlist for that and and i guess currently the playlist for this episode is out as well and it will include um, kind of some of the songs you referenced some of the bands you referenced and um, because we know you will be absolutely itching to get into that emo nostalgia with us if you're listening to us on apple Podcasts, it would mean the absolute world to us if you could uh rate and subscribe because apparently that's really important um we actually got to number three on the music charts last yes, week which that is was so cool really i didn't know that was a thing it means more than one person listened to it so yeah it wasn't just my mom um and as well if you could maybe write us a little review um say something cool yeah do do an emoji do a i don't know a thumbs up an xd a raw xd raw anything anything at all that'd be amazing we'll see you guys next time